Oh, good, good. I am so happy to present to our audience returning to the Matt Mosley Show. It is President Linda Livingstone. And uh, President Livingstone, wonderful to have you. You never know uh, when you may run into uh, uh, the Mosley Show. I think recently it was on the sideline of a football game. And uh, it's always fun to see you and the first gentleman. We were able to uh, stay safe down there because the Texas State student section was a little rough, but, uh, but I thought we handled ourselves nicely and uh, were able to uh, stay safe on the sideline. Well, they were definitely engaged in that game and, and a little rowdy as they supported their team that day. But it was good to see you there, Matt. It's always good to catch up with you. All right, first things first, um, huge weekend for Baylor volleyball. <laughs> I, I mean, this is, uh, this, is a, this is a perennial top ten uh, team, and you already love that volleyball squad, but you happen to have a loved one. Your daughter, Shelby, is an assistant on the, uh, the coaching staff. That's, now, that has to be really cool. Even Ada, uh, you cheer for all the Baylor teams, but uh, – and your, your daughter was a really good college volleyball player at Rice. But how cool is that to see a top five type program and then have your daughter involved and then see them do so well? Well, we are, are thrilled to watch them play. Of course, it's uh, extra special when our daughter's on the sideline helping out. and She loves that team and loves working with them. But they're such a talented group of, of young women. And uh, I can't wait to see how their season progresses. They had a, a a little bit of a challenge getting started, but they have a terribly difficult preseason. And this weekend against Florida, they seem to, to really get focused and together. And then they're back home this weekend. In fact, they play our daughter's Rice Owls, their, her alma mater, on uh, Thursday night. So we'll be excited to have them back home and get to see them in person. Now, Yossi's vertical, is that, uh, Yossiana, is that similar to when you played for Oklahoma State basketball? Would you say you all have similar uh, vertical leaps hers is a, a pretty good multiple of what mine was i don't <laughs> even want to think that i could get anywhere near uh, where she was jumping was not my uh, uh strongest suit as a basketball player <laughs> vertical man watching her they've measured her you know and i i don't the way they present it i don't always know exactly what it means because it's like all these but i mean it must be 35 inch vertical or maybe even more like a 38 that's just in that's insane yeah. i mean it's uh no i think I'm, she's got one of the highest verticals of any of our our athletes on campus she's an unbelievably talented athlete just all the way around and such a power hitter and then certainly the addition of avery skinner this year along with uh, lauren harrison who returns and several others they're just an unbelievably athletic and talented group of young women and they're just fine young women as well they represent the the university extremely well yeah brian skinner was a great basketball player for baylor as you know so when they won that national title at kentucky uh volleyball and i heard one of his daughters was transferring i called brian immediately and brian didn't realize the news was out there he told me he said don't put this out there yet matt and i said well it's our but it's already on the volleyball the baylor volleyball twitter handle <laughs> it's <laughs> I said it's hard. As we learned, there are it. <laughs> there are very few secrets in college athletics. You know, it's it's uh, not a world that keeps secrets well. All right. Well, President Livingstone, take me back to the day that fateful day, Texas and OU 
the news spread like wildfire. It happened during the SEC media days. That was a report in the Houston Chronicle. What do you remember? What were you doing? Uh, Everybody asks you these big monumental moments. Where were you that day? That ended up being a pretty big day. Do you remember, um, I don't know if yeah. you're not like me, you're not checking Twitter all the time. Who, who, was the, who was the first call that you received, and what was, your, what was kind of your first call that you made when you saw that news come down? Yeah, I can't remember. Somebody sent me the Houston Chronicle uh, uh, link. I don't even remember who it was. My family was, we were on our way to Oklahoma. I had a niece getting married that weekend. I think that was on a Wednesday maybe, and we were on our way to Oklahoma uh, for that wedding, and uh, so needless to say, my a few days of vacation ended up not being much vacation uh, leading up to that wedding. But I, of course, I reached out to Mac Rhodes, and and we began to visit. And then, of course, we had uh, calls very quickly with the conference to begin to understand what was going on. But uh, it was certainly not what we expected, at least at that point in time, and and certainly nothing we had any indication whatsoever from either of those institutions that they were thinking about um and so it uh, moved us on a path that uh, you know frankly uh was really rough for a, a several weeks there but i think in the last couple of weeks uh, where we got focused on what we needed to do what the best options were and then we of course feel really good about where we came to last friday and bringing those four schools into the conference in the next few years so it was a roller coaster for several weeks but good to bring it uh, to where it is now and in fairly short order did, did baylor receive interest from any of these um, other conferences I, I i i think you were getting probably a lot of unsolicited advice from all of us alums of course on the radio I, we were thinking okay could we fit here could we fit there I, I am curious because at first it, it did feel like every school for itself kind of mentality, which is very understandable. You've got to figure out, okay, where do we land in all this? Was there, uh, what was that initial feeling like from from uh, from other conferences and other places around the country? Where where was uh, was, was there interest? Because I mean, we're coming off a national title. I would have to think. Uh, Baylor had gotten to the point where uh, we would be pretty thought of as pretty attractive. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when something like that happens, you, you begin to evaluate kind of what, what the different pathways are that you could go, whether that's um, with the eight remaining schools, uh, you know, what role might the Texas schools play in that? Where might Baylor land? So, you know, you begin to look at all of the different pathways that could be possibilities. And then as you gather information, you begin to say, well, that pathway is not going to work or that one's not. And ultimately, you know, it became clear that the eight schools staying together, um, finding a way to bring in some strong schools to expand the conference was going to by far be the best alternative for all of us, both individually and collectively. And, And I think that began to be clear pretty early and I think the the schools in the conference also tried to uh, maintain the integrity of our bylaws and the commitments we'd made to the conference about how we were going to work together and how we would or would not talk uh, to other conferences in the process. Uh, we saw what happens when the, those bylaws weren't followed and when um, when uh, 
and the impact that that had. And so I think we were also trying to be respectful of that process as we evaluated our alternatives, both uh, individually and collectively. But I think uh, everyone in the conference feels really good about where we are. And, and the eight schools, the presidents, the athletic directors uh, really uh, came together uh, in a, a, a very collaborative and, and a coherent way to get to the point that we got to last week. Are we allowed uh, President Livingstone to do horns down now after after what happened? Well, um, <laughs> I think that we need to take the high road and, okay. uh, and right. behave ourselves and, and be good examples right. for others. I'm not going to dictate what individuals in the stands are going to uh-huh. do on that, but uh, I, I hope that our, our players and our fans and everyone, uh, you know, certainly go into these games with great enthusiasm and excitement mm-hmm. for our team, but uh, also uh, conduct themselves as we would hope folks from Baylor do. Okay, I'm going to take a peek at that high road, see if I can take that in this instance. Uh, the uh, conference chose four schools. At BYU, mm-hmm. obviously Cincinnati, UCF. Uh, I mean, this is Houston, University of Houston. Uh, at one point, people didn't want Houston. Back in 2016, how I know there had to be other schools in the discussion. What was it in your mind about these four schools that made them? I know some of them maybe give you a footprint in other as far as for TV and streaming purposes. But what really stood out about these four schools that 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 made you close in on them? Well, when you begin to look at the landscape, you say, okay, what's going to add value to our conference? Uh, athletically, academically, recruiting-wise. And so these four schools really rose to the top there. They've had very successful uh, football programs. Uh, the, the conference may actually be stronger in basketball than it was before, as strong as a conference as we've had. They bring a lot of strength there. They bring uh, geographic diversity, both in terms of time zones for media, recruiting in a couple of states that are – uh, some of the best recruiting states for uh, for college athletes. And so as we looked at that media market and even the media interest in their athletic programs and the viewership of their athletic programs, and so you begin to look at all of those different factors, uh, and, and those four schools pretty quickly rose to the top, and we felt like they would be great additions to the conference at, at this point. And so it really did not take us long to coalesce around uh, the schools that would be um, the best to in, to be a part of uh, kind of a, a reconstituted Big 12 conference. I like this BYU-Baylor thing. Wasn't that nice that we already had them on the schedule, that, that the Bears already had uh, BYU on the schedule? Um, I'm trying to feed some sort of religious angle to this thing, the Baptist and the Mormons. I know you'll probably try to stay out of that. I'm looking for some different ways. But that now that will be – I think it could be really fun. They, they played, by the way, back in the 80s, and Steve Young was a quarterback. In fact, Baylor beat them back in the 80s. Don't you think that'll be cool, A uh, the Baptists and the uh, LDS getting together? Well, I know we've had a lot, even prior to us uh, inviting them into the conference, there was a tremendous amount of interest in the, the football game that uh, we have this year. It does happen to be homecoming, which probably adds to that as well. Mm. And then, of course, we hired – uh, their offensive coordinator, their offensive line coach, uh, who are you can tell are doing a wonderful job for us. So, I, you know, I think uh, it's it's a great matchup across the board. They've been very strong in basketball. Their women's sports 
are extremely strong. They will really help strengthen uh, the conference's women's sports across the board. So I think we're going to really enjoy playing them as a university, and I think there'll be some wonderful rivalries there uh, as to uh, another private institution within the conference and certainly a faith-based institution. Um, There are very few private institutions across the Power Five conferences, so it's nice to bring another one into that fold. President Linda Livingstone joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Where are you right now, uh, President Livingstone, on the Big 12 leadership? Uh, I, I have been uh, pretty vocal. I, I just, I, I've liked Bob Bowlesby a lot over the years personally. I have felt like the conference probably could use a new voice uh, or a fresh voice, uh, especially after going through all of this. I know Bob's been heralded as doing a nice job. Um, I it just... I don't know. It just felt like the Big 12 conference leadership, like a lot of people, got caught flat-footed on this thing. Where, um, where you, you're the one who has been working hand-in-hand with that office, though, and Bob Bowlesby himself. Where do you think they stand uh, at this point? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't say enough about uh, the way Commissioner Bowlesby worked with the eight presidents and with the conference to really parse out the various opportunities that might be out there and narrow down what we needed to do. And then once we really got focused on the uh, need to expand and then to reach out and then to work with the schools that had expressed interest, um, he did an exceptional job uh, bringing those schools in and and managing that process. So I think the, the presidents were very pleased with the way he worked with them, with uh, how that worked out. And so, you know, we look forward to looking to the future of the conference and uh, and where we go over the coming years, both as we kind of finish out this current media rights situation and as we look to the future and, and what that next phase might be. But uh, certainly it was a, a very positive and collaborative process between the, the commissioner, the conference office, and uh, the presidents, and then, frankly, the athletic directors as well. All right. President Livingstone, tell us about this um, NCAA Constitution Committee that you've been named to. I think that's uh, quite an honor. Uh, to me, it sounds like quite a burden as well. I mean, it's, not, it's like you don't have enough on your plate. Um, <laughs> Come, come help rewrite the rules for the NCAA. I, I, I sort of sense that uh, Mark Emmert has almost said, basically, help. I, we need help, and we've got to change some things here. Um, what, what, when do you all kind of – I guess that process, has it already started, and, and what all will that entail? Like what, what, are, what is that committee charged with doing? What are the two or three uh, biggest things you're supposed to do? Yes, we are hard at work. I actually spent three hours on a, in a meeting today, as a matter of fact, right before I got on this call with you. So we've been meeting for several weeks now. We're gathering lots of feedback and information from a diverse set of individuals across uh, college athletics. Um, so we are char- we really have given a, been given a very uh, broad charge to uh, really start from scratch and really transform the constitution of the NCAA and say what. Uh, you know, what values should we still hang on to? Uh, what principles need to be core to governing college athletics? And then what structure or organization would best facilitate that going forward? 
that helps address some of the really big questions and concerns that have developed out there about the the level of bureaucracy, kind of slowness to respond, being reactive instead of proactive, lots of concerns about the enforcement process. We're not looking at all of those rules, but certainly the structure can help then facilitate revisiting what the enforcement process looks like. And uh, and really, how do you rebuild trust? Because everyone recognizes that uh, there's been a, a great breakdown in, in trust in the NCAA and its ability to govern college athletics in, in a, an appropriate way. So we've been given pretty much carte blanche to do that. And uh, and it's a great group of people working diligently to, to do that. We will have a Constitution Commission in uh, a meeting of of the NCAA Constitutional Convention in November to present some ideas. We'll get feedback, and then there'll be a convention in January at the regular annual meeting of the NCAA to vote on a proposed new constitution. So it's a very tight timeline, so we're spending a lot of time on it. Uh, But it's important work, and we do need to think differently about how we're governing college athletics given how much the landscape has changed in recent years. You think there'll still be an NCAA? You, you hear people think that it could take on a whole new form or something altogether, or maybe conferences or certain schools would pull away on their own. Do, do you you have some sense that four or five years down the road, I know it's hard to see or hard, hard to say exactly, but that that there will all there will NCAA will continue to be, or could you see it almost morphing into something completely different? You know, I think there's got to be for certain things, national championships, um, maybe some safety and health issues, uh, you know, whether it's academic guidelines or sort of fairness of competition, some type of of national oversight for a certain set of issues. And that's part of what we're trying to determine is what set of issues do you absolutely have to have some kind of national governance or oversight versus what things could be done at the division or the conference or the school level. So I think that's part of the work that we're doing, and I do believe there'll be you know, some level of organization at a national level to help govern certain aspects of what we do in college athletics. What exactly that will look like, I certainly don't know yet, but, um, but there's certainly a lot of consensus around this idea that you know, college athletics should still be tied to academic uh, progress and success and the ability to graduate uh, for our student athletes and that that needs to continue to be a priority for us, whatever the structure looks like and however it looks going forward. Would you have enjoyed the uh, NIL opportunities, name, image, and likeness when you were playing? Would you have, uh, would you have uh, sought out maybe uh, um, some kind of sponsorship or are you, uh, is there any way now to go back and, and recoup some of that money you missed out on? Well, I'm not sure how valuable my name, image, and likeness would have been. Uh, And I will tell you, I was such a serious (laughs) uh, student, along with being a busy athlete, I don't even know how much time I would have had to have done any of that. So, uh, uh, you know, it's certainly an interesting opportunity for our student athletes, and we want to, you know, help support them as they have those opportunities, but doing it in a way that continues to help support their academic success and their athletic success. Uh, and I think we've got a good process in place here at Baylor and have worked very closely 
um, you know, across the conference and, and with others to make sure that what we're doing to support our student athletes gives them good opportunities and helps them to do it in a way that uh, sets them up well and it frankly protects them from uh, uh, from some you know things that might not be in their best interest. Yeah, we already have some million-dollar quarterbacks out there, so we'll see. Gary Bohannon, I don't think he would mind that. I don't think he's quite there yet. President Linda Livingstone joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Uh, big uh, landmark-type uh, announcement yesterday coming down that Baylor has reached 20,000 in enrollment. Um, even though I think I had kind of heard that, Maybe we were headed that uh, Baylor was headed that direction. I mean, when I was at school at Baylor, maybe it was eleven or twelve with all the graduate students and everything to get to twenty thousand. That is, um, with I think maybe fifteen thousand of that undergrad uh, in a forty-two hundred. You correct me if I'm wrong on that number. The new freshman class. Uh, what what is that? What does that mean exactly? I mean, our, and, and how exciting is that for the Baylor family? Because we're I, I don't know. We used to be. We've always been known as the largest Baptist university uh, in the country, but now, I mean, these numbers are climbing to where it's not just kind of, hey, we're a tiny little private college sort of thing. Well, I think that what one thing that tells you is how much uh, interest uh, there is for a Baylor education at both the undergraduate and the graduate level. The most significant part of that growth has been at the graduate level. We uh, made a concerted strategic decision a few years ago to grow our graduate professional education, and we've built in uh, a much broader set of uh, online and blended programs that allows us to draw students nationally and internationally to our graduate programs, which we had not done before. So the majority of that growth is represented in, in the growth of those graduate programs. But we have also seen tremendous interest at the undergraduate level. And as you know, we have the largest freshman class we've ever had this year at 4,200. We had not planned to have a class that large. Uh, but uh, in the midst of COVID, and I think the success we had last year managing COVID, our yield of out-of-state students this year was twice as high as it had ever been before. So our models uh, under-predicted our yield on out-of-state students. And in fact, our percentage of out-of-state students went up by 5% uh, in this class. And so, again, just tremendous national interest in uh, being at a place that is deeply committed to its Christian mission, has really strong and rigorous academics, is a mid-sized university, so you get the benefits of a big university with the, the sense of being at a more intimate, smaller place, and then you have big-time college athletics, and that's what we know has drawn students to Baylor, and uh, so those numbers reflect the tremendous interest there is in what we're doing here at Baylor. All right, now we can get uh, now the Bears can get uh, Utah students, Ohio. They can reach out to even more. What is the out, out of uh, other than our border states? What is the largest uh, state as far as the out of state for Baylor? We used to get a lot of Springfield, Missouri students. I recall for some reason. Um, is there any is there any um, part of uh, the United States that might surprise people that we seem to get a ton of students from? Well, our largest out-of-state student population now is from California, mm. and that number keeps growing. Our second largest out-of-state student population is from Colorado, and then we get quite a few from the Midwest, and we're beginning to get even more from the Northeast. 
So, but California by far number one out of state and Colorado number two. So actually the surrounding states are no longer the uh, largest states. Um, I mean, I guess we border Colorado just a little bit up there, but uh, for the, in, in general, we um, draw from Cal- California, Colorado, and then of course nationally more broadly than that. But um, it's uh, uh, those two states have been really good and we've seen a lot of growth in those in recent years. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that across the state. Californians moving here. They're sending their students here, so that's pretty cool. Okay, and, and I did want to ask you about this uh, Research One tier. It, it seems like Baylor is closing in on that. Um, what exactly would that mean to Baylor to, to gain that type of, of status, and, and what would, uh, how would that enhance things for students, and what, what, what does that mean to uh, even – you know, me as a graduate, um, will my diploma be worth even more? Mm-hmm. Well, becoming a Research One university, this is a categorization by the Carnegie Foundation. It puts you among the highest research productive universities in the country, and so among the top academic universities in the country. And in many ways, it is just one way to measure. Uh, the academic quality of what you're doing. It helps attract faculty here, top-tier faculty that are doing really high-powered research, which then allows you uh, to engage your students both at the graduate and the undergraduate level in really uh, important, impactful research that's making a difference in the world. And we know that students at all levels, undergraduate, master's, doctorate, want to be doing research while they're in school. And so it also helps us attract some of the best students across the country. And and then it is uh, in the academic world, it gives you a level of recognition that gives you a voice at the table. And one of the things we've talked about is, you know, our strategy in becoming a Research One University isn't just for the sake of being a Research One University. It is because we want to, as a Christian university, have a voice in higher education and society more broadly. We want to have an impact. And so being among those Research One institutions helps open doors for us to do that and to have that opportunity. Okay, I like it. And, um, and President Livingstone, I'll, uh, I'll probably wear a Research One t-shirt. I'm going to jump on that bandwagon, even though some of the things I did in the history department, the English department, and CASTA law, I don't think I contributed to us moving toward that research status, but, uh, but I, I am going to jump on that bandwagon, and uh, that's very exciting. Well, as soon as we reach that status, Matt, we'll make sure you get a T-shirt that says uh, <laughs> Baylor University Research One. <laughs> okay, please make that a priority. I, I uh, really appreciate that. Tell Jason I really want that to, to happen. I'm going to hold you to it. Uh, listen, okay. we, uh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for spending so much time with us. I always look forward to it. You've been a little busy during this. Uh, you're always busy, but this whole conference thing was wild. Um, and, and you and uh, Mac Rhodes uh, did such an excellent job representing Baylor. So congratulations on the newly formed Big 12. And, um, and I look forward to seeing you soon on a sideline. Well, I will look forward to seeing you too, Matt. Thanks so much for your time today. Always happy to visit with you.